From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking, and I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Hey, we have two very interesting young men to speak with today. First is C.J. Rhodes. He's a preacher, professor, and a father, and we'll talk about a religion and politics in the presidential race and his own role as a young preacher in a historic church. Our second guest is Adam Jarrell Collier. People know him and his band on stage as AJC and the Envelope Pushers. He's a stickler for powerful live performances, and we'll hear about his highly anticipated album, Fallen Star. Our question of the day is this. Do you think religion and politics go hand in hand or should they be separate? Call us at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. You can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Hey, I hope you had a fantastic weekend. Probably sat on the couch all weekend watching the Olympics. I know I did a little bit of that, to say the least. I was inspired by all that athleticism by sitting on a couch. I figured that would work perfectly for me. I'm hoping to get the gold and maybe marathon beach volleyball watching. I think that might work. So that'd be good. Anyway, great show today. Got a couple fantastic guests. First is CJ Rhodes. He'll be joining us in just a second. He's a preacher, a professor, and a dad, too. And I can't wait to hear about the dad stories. And today's a big day in his dad life. So we'll touch on that. And Adam Jarrell Collier is going to be in. Folks around here know him as AJC and AJC and the envelope pushers. And he'll come in on the second half of the show. And of course, we do have a question of the day. And it's on, you can go to Facebook or Twitter. Just look for Marshall Ramsey. I'm pretty easy to find. And it's been getting a lot of very thoughtful responses. And so I'm very impressed with everybody's response so far. But do you think religion and politics go hand in hand? or should they be separate, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. You can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. I watched uh, the Olympics last night, too. Yeah. I, well, I don't have cable, so, you know, I just have You're kind of limited to one channel, yeah. You don't get to watch the ping pong and all the really cool yeah. stuff on the on so the... it was the swimmers. Man, they swim really fast. I, I was on the coast this past, this weekend. And yes. I wouldn't even let my waist get in the water, and I was just thinking about how brave they were to be swimming, and you know, it was it was fun though. There were no bodies floating in the pool, so I think it turned out okay. <laughs> but you never know. But but the, I tell you though, and I watched it too. And Michael Phelps, number one, and it's the fifth Olympics. He's up to twenty three medals now, nineteen gold medals. Nineteen are gold. Yeah, incredible. I mean, and he, you know what? He won that race too. I mean, he had a particularly strong. Uh, just segment, you know, his, his part of the, his part of the, of the race was fantastic. So, mm-hmm. uh, but did you notice all the little hickeys on them? The cups? They things? call them something the this cups. morning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. The, 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 the news. They're hickeys. Was... <laughs> somebody said, somebody, somebody said that he slept on his medals last night. Oh, well. Cause there are all these little round spots, bruises all over him. On yeah. That, but, but yeah. I forgot what they said the purpose of them. Something to do to help the muscles recover. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I have none of those on my body. I will say <laughs> that. So because obviously when you draw pictures for a living, you don't really need muscles. Well, so. you're working your hand muscle and your, your brain muscles. Give yeah. yourself some credit, sir. Yes. I've been working my brain muscle. That's it. I did. I wrote a book this weekend. A whole book. I mean, yeah. you just say that so I casually. I know. I wrote a book. <laughs> well, no, well, I'll tell you what. Saturday I got up, and I did actually work my muscles because my son's cross-country teams, try, they have a course on their school. So I was out there with a swing blade, which, of course, I kept hearing that voice in my head from the movie Swing Blade. Uh, we got finished with that three hours later. And of course, I nearly melted because I obviously grew up in a cave. I'm not used to heat. So, but we got it done. <laughs> Sat down at noon, and I started writing. And I got done at 3.45 in the morning. Wow. So I got up to eat, you know. But, I mean, it was just mm-hmm. constant. And what, and what the book is, it's a 20th anniversary collection of my cartoons. Mm-hmm. It'll be out this, this Christmas. It uh, has 180 cartoons. Now, it's 180 out of 6,000 cartoons. How did, you, how did you decide which ones you were going to use? It was uh, kind of a process of every year I pick the best cartoons of the year. And so I have folders of cartoons. So I kind of went through those, and then I kind of scanned through the other 6,000. Um, <laughs> and, and I'll be honest with you, I'd like to say that all 6,000 are awesome. 
but they're not. But you I know, mean, something you can do now is use Facebook as a guide because some of your cartoons go viral. So, I oh mean, yeah, that's a that's a guide right there. I mean, I always have a sense. I know what's good. And, and be honest with you, they were cartoons I liked. So mm-hmm. that, that was. But I mean, I, I hit nine eleven. I hit Katrina. I've got all the governors. I've got Governor Fordyce, Musgrove, Bryant, mm-hmm. Barber, all those guys. Uh, I've got you know Kenneth I. Stokes from. Jackson. I've got a couple of them in there because he, he loves me so much. I figured I'd give him a, a little <laughs> nod. And so, but I mean, I have local to national and I have all kinds of cartoons in between. And in the two years I was a Pulitzer finalist, I've got mm-hmm. some of those cartoons in there too. Well, but, it may sound crazy to some people that you spent all that time, but as a creative, I think it is good to take advantage of your creative juices while they are flowing. Oh, sure. So, because sometimes you have writer's block, you have drawing block, I'm sure CJ or sometimes, has or block sometimes, as well. Or sometimes you have a deadline and you have to get it done. Yeah. And so that gives you all kinds of uh, Juices, creative juices. Yeah, there. so if you you know if you feel it, use it, take advantage of it because it's not always. Well, there. what I wrote was I wrote like a blurb or thoughts on each cartoon. So mm-hmm. I mean, there would be a couple paragraph or two of, on each cartoon, so memories or how I came about the idea or so forth, because I want to give the book a little bit more texture. Yeah, on that. So oh, we have an uh, early caller who wants to comment on our question oh, of sure, the day. Um, Christopher in Columbus, not Christopher Columbus. Christopher is in Columbus. Good morning, Christopher. Hey, Christopher. Yes. Good. Good morning. Mm-hmm. I would, wanted to comment on on your question about should politics and religion be separate, and I want to give a my historical an- analysis of why they should be separate. First of all, the founders of their parents and even the founders themselves endured a lot of religious persecution. A lot of their people came over uh, from other countries because they were persecuted because of their religions. So prior to the Constitutional Convention, I find it interesting that James Madison spent about a year and a half researching why uh, other democratic republics have failed. And he found that there are two reasons that they failed. Number one was that uh, they went from becoming a three-class society to a two-class society. And the second common denominator that he found was that all of them adopted a single religion. So... What happened at the Constitutional Convention, and, and I might add that uh, most of those people, they, they were more deist than, than anything else. Uh, they, as an afterthought, developed the Bill of Rights. Well, guess what the First Amendment was? The First Amendment was uh, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of, of a religion or the free exercise thereof. What that that is really saying is that, okay, in the federal government, we're not going to have religion as a part of anything. You practice it on your own. You're free to do that. To back that up, um, the Danbury, Connecticut uh, Baptist Church wrote Thomas Jefferson, I think the year was 1803, Hey, okay, hey, Christopher, um, yeah. sorry sorry to interrupt, um, but we, we, we do appreciate your comment. We have a couple guests to get to, but uh, we, we think we got the, the gist of your comment. Thank yeah, you so much. Yeah, that was a great call. Thanks, Christopher. Appreciate that. Well, without further ado, we do have the Reverend C.J. Rhodes is in the house, and congratulations. Today is the first day of school for your twins. Well, thank you. It's my honor to be on today. Yes, it is the first day for uh, our sons to be uh, back at school. They were... Um, in summer camp for yeah. a couple of weeks and then daycare and all that. But we got them uh, suited up in their uniforms today. And awesome. hopefully they'll enjoy uh, their eight hours at school. How old How old are they? They're 22 months. 22 months. Were there any, was it just dry eyes as you watched them go in? Um, well, they've been going to this particular school okay, for a so while. You know the so drill. Yeah, yeah, we know, know the, the drill. drill. And um, I've become a pro at trying to get them up get them dressed and out of the house by a certain period of time. And uh, that's always the most difficult because they're often very cranky. And uh, sometimes I'm a little cranky. And so exactly. we're trying to work together like, look, let's let's just get this thing done and get out the house. I know. I get up like at 4 in the morning just to make sure because my wife teaches. So she has to be out of the house at, at 10 till 7. Mm. And all the boys have to be done and out the door too. So it's wow. like I'm trying to plan for D-Day <laughs> every single day Absolutely. to get by. So I get up a little bit early so I can get some peace. But anyway, I, I do appreciate you being on. And, of course, the question of the day, we have a pretty strong question there. I said, do you think religion and politics go hand in hand or should they be separate? Of course, there's a lot of uh, context that all the way in, in the in, – 
the old days sure. in the Bible too. But what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I guess we have to ask the question, what exactly do we mean by religion and politics? Right. Um, if we mean should religious values shape and inform the way we engage the political process, I think yes. yes. If we're talking about a particular religious institution making claim that it is the state religion, then I think constitutionally um, that is not the case. We, uh, for for the good of government and for the good of, of religion, said there will be no establishment. Right. So that protects the church, for instance, from government intrusion, but it also right. protects the government from one particular religion trying to control. And we've seen uh, places like Ireland where tensions between Catholics and Protestants lead to a lot of civil wars. And so that's the protection we have. Um, for those who say there should be no religion at all in politics, I just it's just kind of hard, for instance, if you are a religious person, right. to separate that at the ballot box. You, that's going to inform you the same way it informs uh, where you decide to live and how you you know feed your body and all those kinds of things. Right, sets sets up your values. It sets up your values exactly. Yeah, it's only when we decide that my particular religious perspective trumps all other religious perspectives, or my lack of religious perspective trumps all religious perspectives, when we see a problem in our democratic experiment. Well, it's it's all fine and good if it's your religion, right? Absolutely. And, and then you wake yeah. up one day, it's not yours, and you're like, well, that's a problem. Yeah, even if you're talking just about one particular religion, say. Um, Christianity. There are right. a variety of denominations. There are a variety of perspectives in Judaism. So it's not just like Christianity or Islam. It's which version of Islam, right. Shia, Sunni. And so those are the kinds of tensions we see in a lot of a lot of countries, not just between different religions, but within different religions. I mean, look at Iraq. Absolutely. They've yeah. got you know, Shia and, and, and Sunnis as well. Well, let me talk about where are you from? I'm from a railroad town called Hazelhurst, which is about 40 miles south of Jackson. A really good town. Really good town. Yeah. Good town. yeah. Yeah, it really is. Good Although when you're growing up there, it's very boring. I would imagine it seems quite small. <laughs> yes. Um, we call it the city of Hazelhurst now, but when I was growing up, it felt more like a town or a hamlet. Yeah. Yeah. How long did you live there? All my uh, life until 18. Okay. And graduated from Hazelhurst City Schools and went off to Ole Miss for mm-hmm. four years, stayed in Oxford another year, then went off to Duke Divinity School, stayed in North Carolina for three years. And then when I moved back in 09, I moved to Jackson. That, I'm about to say that must have been different being in North Carolina. Like the, being, it was a good different, yeah. so much so that I didn't want to come back. Really, but the Lord said in 2006, um, "You got to go back to Mississippi." And yeah, well, what brought you back? I'll be honest; it was really the Lord telling me. And yeah. I know that sounds strange to some people, but um, there was there was a time of of prayer and discernment. Yeah, and you know the difficult thing with that is that sometimes. God will tell you to do stuff that you don't really want to do. Right. And so from 2006 to 2008, I'm like, all right, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. Um, interestingly enough, I was in Brazil in 2008 mm-hmm. and had received an email from Dolphus Weary with the Mission Mississippi. And that was sort of the door I believe God was opening to come back to Mississippi. And I'm thankful for it now. Yeah. But if I had my way, I would have been in Raleigh or Charlotte or Nashville or Dallas or some other metropolitan southern city. But, you know, I, I think what you do for a living is kind of like mine. You want to go where the need is. That's right. And for being an editorial cartoonist, you know, I go where the really crazy politicians are. You know? <laughs> but, it, but but the deal was, I mean, you, that was what kind of brought you here, wasn't it? And you felt like the need was here. Yeah. Um, there's a quote by Howard Thurman who says, uh, which says, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and do that. Oh, what the nice. world needs is people who have come alive. Yeah. And I think whenever you connect your aliveness with the world's needs. There's this beautiful chemistry that happens. And so um, I've seen it here in, in Mississippi. I've seen it here in Jackson. I believe in this state. Um, Although there are a lot of kooky things that happen that make you want to pack up and leave. Um, But I just don't believe God is done with us yet. And our better days are ahead of us. And I want to be a part of that. I want to be an old man in my eighties looking back and saying, remember when we were last in everything and, Look at us now. You know, I have some very similar story to yours. I was out in San Diego. I mean, oh, wow. 74 degrees and sunny all the time. You know, yeah. it's perfect weather. <laughs> and I got the call that the job was open here. And it was mm. like, huh. And and I've, I've always told people, I've been here 20 years, that I always feel like the Mississippi challenges everything you believe and makes mm. it stronger, makes mm-hmm. you makes you stronger. I think it's a good good place for wow. that. That's amazing. We got Frank on the line, and then we'll go to a break. Hello, Frank. What's your uh, comment on religion and politics? Uh, Marshall, I loved your book. Well, thank you. I tell you the the title got me going. I went and bought the book. Too much money for a book, Marshall. And, <laughs> well, it went to a good cause, so don't worry about it. But uh, chainsaw <laughs> and uh, forget what chainsaw. Casseroles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, great, great. 
uh, religion and politics. I'm a Christian, uh, C.J. Rhodes. Hey, Brother uh, Frank. Yeah. Um, Christ makes it very, very easy. Forget about the denomination. Christ says, basically, that uh, Christianity is a personal relationship with God. And in politics, you know, God, all governments are ordained by God to maintain the peace. You know, there's a separation there. Even God recognizes that. So how do you use your your your, your Christianity or your faith to discern uh, politics? Um, if you're looking at a candidate, uh, no candidate is perfect. There's a story in the Bible, very short story, about a guy who was leaning, who was in a window, and he fell asleep in the windowsill, and he fell out to his death. And that's all it says. CJ, you might know that story. Mm-hmm. So there was a uh, uh, a country western comedian who said, "Now, what does that story mean to a Christian? It basically means that the man fell asleep, and he was leaning more inside the house than he was leaning outside the house. So by leaning too much outside of the house, he fell to his death. So when evaluating candidates, you have to evaluate them based upon what they do, because Christianity is a very personal way. Do they keep their promises?" Basically, that's one of the Ten Commandments. Um, do they uh, do they care for the young? Do they care for the weak? Do they represent the weak? Uh, are they honest? Um, they're not going to be perfect, no doubt about it. So that's how I, I discern based upon that. Is this candidate leaning more inside the house of God, or is he leaning more outside the house of God based upon how he lives his personal life? And that's all I have to say. Great, Frank. Right. Great Thanks, call. Frank. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, good. And again, you know, I, I think uh, one of the things that's difficult is that because we're a constitutional republic, yeah. it's hard to look, for instance, at the Old Testament and then say, what do they do there? Because clearly that was a theocratic government. Um, I do believe that it's uh, in many ways profoundly personal, but a public faith, uh, particularly as a Christian. And um, and that informs how I discern uh, the caliber and the character of, of each individual. No one's perfect. None right. of you and I, we're not perfect. Um, and there will be, you know, for me, neither political party represents all of my values. Right. Um, but here. yeah, but the question is for me, um, how best does this candidate, how best does this party at this particular time align with what I believe is, you know, the larger social impact, how you treat orphans, widows, children, uh, those who can't care for themselves. And the measure of our greatness is not our economic or military might, but how we treat the least of these. And so how how we discern that, um, that's part of the reason why we don't have the establishment clause, because each of us is going to discern that slightly differently. Um, and we wrestled that out at the polls. And um, hopefully, hopefully, in every case, God's will is done. I, uh, I've always said that I always go for the candidate that walks the walk instead of talking the talk. Yeah. I always get a little bit suspicious when, when somebody starts talking. You're kind of like, okay. Yeah. That's nah, not so good. Hey, CJ Rhodes is with us. We're going to continue this conversation. And, of course, the question today is this. Do you think religion and politics go hand in hand or should they be separate? Some great calls so far. 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. It's a Monday. I hope you're having a great day, and we have a great show. C.J. Rhodes is with us right now. Of course, he's a preacher, professor, and a father of two amazing boys. We're talking about about, about all kinds of things about his life because he had an incredible life, and we're going to get more into that in just a second. Our question of the day is this. Do you think religion and politics go hand in hand, or should they be separate? The call's number is 877-MPB-RING or 877-672-7464. Coming up after... CJ, we've got Adam Jarrell Collier, which is, now, of course, AJC and the Envelope Pushers. He'll be in later on in the show as well. I tell you, you've lived a great life, and, and you know, you were called you were called in high school, weren't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, um, right after graduating from high school. Okay. Yeah. So I was called. That's powerful. Had, I, I say it this way. I had the vision mm-hmm. in, in 2000 at age 18 
over the years, I've reflected back and recognized that that, that was really more an echo, that God right. had really been calling me along the way before then. But that was the culminating moment. And the difficulty, of course, is that I was a young sheltered boy from Hazelhurst going yeah. off to the big city of Oxford. Um, <laughs> the big city of Oxford. Yeah. I love that. And wrestled with accepting the call. Yeah. And uh, there are a couple of things that, that sort of finally made me say yes. Uh, one, I was uh, riding to the University of Georgia with a student government trip. And I said, all right, God, if you're really calling me to this, I'm going to do one of these little, you know, Pascalian wagers, open the Bible up and turn to a page. And if it's something that doesn't seem to gel with the calling, then I'll accept that it's not really from from you. Open up the Bible and it falls on to Jeremiah chapter one that I had not read before then. And in it, it says, uh, Jeremiah is asking, how can I do this work? I'm too young. And God says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I already knew you and ordained you to be a prophet. So, okay, I can't really deny that one. And uh, then I was at a Bible study once, and there was a um, a pastor, and she um, began to lead a prayer, and we all kind of sat there in a circle and closed her eyes. And she said, this is October of 2000, she said, God says, stop running. They'll look up. She said, I'm talking to you. God says, stop running. You're called, and you got to accept it. So between the vision in uh, July to those moments in October, I finally said, okay, Although I'm a college student, I've got to do this. And um, there have been ups and downs along the way, but I haven't looked back. That's incredible. I, I, I'm impressed because I've always said, you know, Moses had it lucky because he had a burning bush. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's something fairly obvious, right. you know. A burning uh, bush that wasn't consumed, so it was clearly out of the ordinary Exactly. Form. And, yeah. you know, it starts talking to you. You know, you got, right. got a thing there. But uh, that's pretty powerful in its own right. And your mom's influence made a big impact on you, too, growing up. Yeah. One of the things that she um, told me about. Uh, and it really just kind of hit her with greater depth later in life. When I was less than a year old, uh, she was in the kitchen frying some catfish. And I was in one of those little walkers yeah. in there. And she was talking to me and stuff. And at some particular moment, I guess she had turned to, to turn the fish. I got out of her out of her um, eyesight. And she tells me that she walked down the hallway. And I had gone into what we call the brown room where my dad had all of his Millsaps and Omen's law books and some Bibles and whatnot. She said, I had pulled down one of those big old two ton family Bibles with the big, uh, hard leather had opened it up. And she was just like, how did this, you know, 20 something month old or however old I was less than a year old, pull this Bible down, open it up as if I were reading it. And she said, at that moment, she took me out of the walker, lifted me up to God and said, God, whatever you want to do with this life, you do it. I want to dedicate him back to you. Wow. And um, that was a very profound moment. And even recently, I was thinking about how, as we would be preparing to go back to school, she would always sit down with us and we would uh, read and pray Psalm 91 together. And so, again, th those echoes, when I look back over my life, yeah. it's mom dedicating me. It's, you know, reading the scriptures together. Um, and, and that means a lot, a lot to me to know that even though she didn't, when I announced the call to her in eight, at eight, age 18, she was a little frustrated by it because she wanted me to go to be a lawyer, make some big money and, you know, help the family out. And uh, most of the folks in my family hadn't really thought too highly of preachers because they mm -hmm. saw a lot of jack legs, <laughs> as we call them. Yeah. Um, but over time, she's embraced it. My dad and other family members have embraced it because they recognize here I am uh, 16 years later and I'm still doing it. You're still doing it and you're doing it quite well. I'm so Thank you. When you say that she dedicated you back to God, some folks may not know what that means. Yeah. There's a story in first Samuel about how Hannah dedicates uh, Samuel back to God. And basically it's Lord, I know that you've called me to steward this life. Yeah. This child is a gift. I don't own him. So he's yours. Do with him as you will. Yeah. And that was pretty big for her because my mom had a real hard life growing up and right. for her, her children were her life. And so for her to make that sacrifice, um, to really say, God, whatever you want to do, she didn't know what that meant at the time. And, um, it kind of makes it tough for her to complain. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, <laughs> although she'll be, she'll be quick to remind me, boy, I did bring you into this world. Okay. I can't take you out. <laughs> I've heard, yeah. I've heard that before. I understand exactly on that. Your dad too. I mean, he had a, he was a civil rights attorney and I mean, that helped shape your life too. Absolutely. Those first early years, um, and even throughout my early life, uh, there was nothing really very glamorous about that. A lot yeah. of sacrifices we had mm -hmm. grew up in poverty and on welfare and all of that. But, um, he taught me 
through his life that sacrifice is greater than self-aggrandizement right. and doing for others and helping others, using your intelligence and all of that to, to help others. It's been a big, a big uh, blessing for me. A lot of people have said, I thought you would have gone into law like your dad. And even though I'm not a lawyer, I've been able to use the influence God has given me to help others, uh, sometimes behind the pulpit and sometimes at the state house or wherever. And um, I understand and appreciate I've been blessed to be a blessing. That may look like preaching on a Sunday morning. That may look like ministering to someone who's brokenhearted. It may mean advocating for sound policy for the least of these. And I see how my dad's life, my mom's life, you know, people, local people back home in Hazelhurst helped to shape that conscience for me. We got a call. We got some bunch of callers. Wow. We'll we'll jump in there right in there. Uh, Let's go with Ray Lonnie in Hattiesburg. What's your comment today on religion and politics? Good morning, and thanks for taking my call. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, uh, CJ, I didn't know Mississippi, uh, Mission Mississippi was still functioning. Uh, are they uh, still coming out of Mendenhall, or are they still visiting towns and or churches as they used to? Yes, ma'am. Um, I no longer work for them, but I am on the board, and I think they're 22 years old now. Uh, they're based in Jackson, Mississippi, and they've got uh, satellite meetings all around the state. Uh, if you Google search Mission Mississippi, you can see okay. some of the great work they're doing. Very good. Thank uh, you. As to the question of the day, separate uh, religion from from um, the state government, I think they should be absolutely and totally separate. We as people, we function in a certain way. If we have goodness and love in our hearts, we will function, If let's say if you're a congressman, uh, we will function in a way for the good of the total, uh, of, of the all, all the citizens. But we have to take our eyes off of, um, let's say, the presidency, because mm. as we have learned over the past eight years, you, the president can only do what, other than executive decrees, what the Congress helps him to do. So uh, I just think it should be separate. Uh, I don't think this country was based on Christianity. There's nothing to prove that. I, I know about the Constitution. I'm like Mr. Khan. I carry one in my purse at all times, and I read it. I read it like I read the Bible, and I believe it. I was in the military for almost 26 years. So I, I love this country. This is all that we know for maybe 10, 12 generations. I do not want to go back to any place, and I do not have a time in my lifetime space that I'd want to go back to because we too, I too, I've been hungry, homeless, and cold, and I hope to be part of the people who helps to keep people from being hungry, homeless, and cold. Powerful call, Raylani. Thank you very much for calling, and thank you for listening as well, and thank you for your service, too. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with C.J. Rhodes for a little bit more because, you know what, this conversation is going fantastic. And we have a great question of the day. We have some more callers in the queue as well. Do you think religion and politics go hand in hand, or should they be separate? You can call us at 877-MPB-RING. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to this. Now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. We have... Uh, really, actually, been a fantastic interview so far. The amazing C.J. Rhodes is with us. I think amazing, probably a proper word. Anyway, preacher, uh, preacher, professor, and father. And I'm a cartoonist who can't talk today. So anyway, thanks for listening. And, of course, thank you for being with us today. This this has been fantastic. You know, six years ago, you became the youngest pastor at a historic church. Mm-hmm. It's the historic Mount Helm Baptist Church. 
It's the capital city's oldest historically black congregation. No pressure there. <laughs> right. I mean, so you're you're coming in, you're the new guy, you're the young guy, and of course everybody's I mean, talk about the state of the church then, where it is now, and how are you received? Yeah. Interestingly enough, the um, pastor of the church um resigned at a particular point and members of the church are called Dolphus Weary, who mm-hmm. um was the way by me uh getting to Michigan, Mississippi. Uh, they wanted him to be interim. He declined and said, well, there's this guy who works in our office who I think would, would be a good fit. Um, I was just called upon to to come and preach a few times. And honestly, I didn't know much about the church outside of history books. Right. So um, I get there and I preach a few times, not knowing what God was up to and uh, ultimately become the pastor. And uh, like many established churches, there's a lot of great history, a lot of great people, but sometimes kind of get stuck in looking backward, right? not moving forward. And uh, thankfully, over these six years, we have seen moderate progress. Um, I have I have sort of been the prophet in the house saying, if we don't do things differently, we will die. And, and this idea of the inevitable eternal church is just not true. There are right. a lot of churches around the nation. You know, in fact, uh, Tom Rayner says that every year about 4,000 churches close their doors for, for good. Yeah. And... Um, we're starting to see a lot of people wake up to that. It's such a great history, a great mm-hmm. church. Uh, we've seen a number of things, the development of Helm Place, which is an 88 um, uh, t- um, townhome um, development around the church. We've seen young people come in here and there. We've seen older people um, kind of live again and, and, and believe again mm-hmm. and pray again. And so uh, God is doing a lot of great things there. I've learned a lot from them. They've learned a lot from me, and I've enjoyed uh, the journey, uh, an unexpected one at that. You know, you talk about the question of the day, politics and, and religion. Man, I tell you what, sometimes the church itself can be pretty darn political. Oh, absolutely. And I'll be honest with you, that's, <laughs> um, yes, absolutely. And and it's taught me um, there are times when you've got to find middle ground and there yeah. are times you've got to stand your ground. Right. And discerning between the two is always difficult. Uh, you can't make everybody happy. Um, you know, someone, someone said that I, you know, I'm the kind of person that wants everyone to like me yeah. and I recognized, uh, not everyone will, but right. you've got to do what's right. You got to do what's, what's good. And it benefits people in the long run. And I've been blessed to see how people come from the church and say, thank you for serving. Thank yeah. you for praying for me. Thank you for preaching. Um, and, and it's been a blessing to me because it has helped me even you talk about, you know, the state of politics helped me to see how we in the larger society have to do a better job of, you know, um, ceasing all this incivil, uncivil, uh, discourse, uh, finding ways, you know, whether you're Republican or Democrat to working together for the common good. And, um, I would say that if anybody does want, uh, to be a better politician than serving the church, <laughs> it can be quite political at times. It's fun to see how the sausage is made. Sometimes. That's right. It definitely is that. And I tell you, it's, I mean, by this on Facebook or whatever, I mean, this, this, campaign this uh, 2016 campaign yeah. it's kind of the point now i think we've gotten the point in this country where if you don't agree with me 100 mm-hmm. you're the you're the enemy yeah and uh and i'm this is coming from a guy who draws cartoons so yeah. i mean i it's kind of ironic i would say that but yeah it's, it's kind of discouraging sometimes when you see that kind of anger out absolutely there. it's a different i mean you you're a cartoonist but you also do satire there's a difference yeah. between kind of satire and ad hominem hatred towards somebody just because they don't agree on everything and I've seen it going all kinds of ways, Republican, Democrat, Green, uh, Libertarian, yeah. excuse me. And um, and the fact of raising a reasonable point is also kind of hated on in, yeah. in today's discourse. If you were to say, let's reason together, then you're going to be attacked from multiple sides. And uh, I think it's a very dangerous place for us to be in in our nation um, when we can't disagree without being disagreeable. Uh, and again, there are a lot of very important things on the table that we right. need to be passionate about. Amen. Um, but um, our nation was built on having diversity of thought and opinion. And Voltaire says that I may not agree with what you say, but I'll fight to the death your right to say it. Right. And I need to, as a Christian, as a black man, as a, a, a independent, I need to be able to give space for other people to disagree with me without hating them. You know, you and I sat down and I was just getting to talk to you for the first time before the show. And we figured out very quickly that we're, we're, we're both dads. Yeah. We have that in common. So, and then we work from there. So, I mean, Absolutely. yeah, we got a lot of yeah. things that are probably different in our lives, but you know what? That was right there. That was Absolutely. something that was kind of a starting point. And I think sometimes people need to do that more. Yeah, yeah I agree. Definitely on that. And we got Harvey on the line. Hello, Harvey. What's your, what's your answer to church and state? Well, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Hey, no problem. Thanks for listening. Yes, this is an interesting topic. 
Well, the founding fathers had a reason when they established this country on a constitutional level from this standpoint. The church and state should be separated. Religiously speaking, this has already been answered. But let me jump back to the other previous caller and what he was talking regarding the man falling on the woman. Uh, it's my understanding. One may want to kind of correct me on this, but the Apostle Paul was preaching that sermon that night when that gentleman fell out of the one from that standpoint. Church and state has already been answered. We as Christians say that we are Christians. This is why religion is taking such a beating in this country at all times because we keep using it and misusing it in the public sphere. Religion and church and state has already been separated. Well, we are to believe in religion. Matthew 7 clears this up in that particular verse. Judgment is in the hand of God. That's who's going to make the ultimate final decision in all our lives. So we are going to believe in the Scripture, or are we going to believe in what the Constitution, what both answers has already been solved in Matthew 7. No matter what, you can look at the contentious debate between abortion, that individual, that woman, has a constitutional right. She has a religious right. The ultimate judgment in this is going to be issued by God. You know what? All right. Thank you, Harvey. Great call. Appreciate that. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with Harvey in the sense that, um, particularly as Christians, we've got to do more demonstration than legislation. And we've often wanted to vote things in and out uh, versus actually living that out. So for instance, the poverty issue, yes, let's vote for people who want to resolve poverty. But one of the best ways to do that is to meet and love people who are in poverty right next to you. Right. And um, uh, clearly in this country, we've seen the ways that religion has been abused as an African-American. I understand uh, that the ways in which even the religiously and constitutionally, our founding fathers were conflicted on the issue of slavery. Right. We've seen the way that women have been subjugated in this nation for, for years. Uh, we've seen all kinds of ways that religion has been abused and how our government has been abused. Um, and so it, when we live that faith, when we, as you say, um, walk the walk and not just talk the talk, I think more people will see the good works and say, you know, why are you doing those things? That's an opportunity then for us to say, I'm doing this because I'm motivated by divine love to do it. And we can reach more people by demonstration than just by voting for something or not voting for something. I've always said, if you want to change the world, start with your own house and then work in your neighborhood and then work in your city and then work, you know, work, work out that way. And it's amazing if everybody did that, guess what? The world would be changed. Absolutely. We got Mary on the line from Braxton. Hello, Mary. It's good to talk to you again. How are you? Uh, hello. Uh, I'm so glad you got this question today because I think about it being religion as being something very, very personal. And I don't believe I can tell anybody else what they can do. I can advise, I can ask them questions, I can try to help them see what I, I see in the Bible. And the Bible has so many interpretations, even in the Christian church. And so uh, politics, to me, is that's where you do what you can to help everybody see the right in how we treat each other. All right. And, Thank you, Mary. Appreciate that. Great call. All right. I don't know. I think I'd probably let CJ tell me what what things mean. <laughs> I, I, I'm I not always right. <laughs> I, try, I trust you at this point anyway. Okay. So that'd be good. Hey, Sharita, do you want to go with another call or do you want to just go Yeah, ahead? you can go to the next call. Okay, okay. What, Joey or uh, Andrew? You want to go to Joey. <laughs> okay. Hey, Joey. How are good you? Good morning, y'all. Hey, thanks for calling. In response to your question of the day. Yes, sir. My Bible tells me to render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's and unto God that which is God's. Well, that's uh, that's pretty strong right there. Can't argue with it. All right. Appreciate it, Joey. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Yeah, one more thing here, one one more question, I guess. We'll we'll jump in here. Um, you know, you talk about politics. You wrote an open letter to the to the Speaker of the House, mm-hmm. Philip Gunn, and not too long ago in response to his position on the Confederate flag. Uh, you know, of course, I've been in the middle of that flag debate, too, right. and I understand what it's all about. Does this uh, debate have a religious more than a political connection to you? Or what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, the letter that I wrote to him was based off of uh, from Christian to Christian perspective, right? He said that he was standing on his Christian principles to, in, in many ways, say we need a new flag. Yeah. 
um, he was standing on good ground with other um, Southern Baptists that agreed with that position. And so I was simply as a fellow believer um, encouraging him to to stand on those on those principles. And um, interestingly, um, I also wanted to make sure I showed public support because it's easy for us to always beat up politicians when they don't do the right thing. Right. Sometimes we need people to say. Now, why did you look at me when you said oh. that? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I had guilt. No, no. no well, maybe that's the Holy Spirit communicating. Uh, no. Okay. But, <laughs> <laughs> so what uh, you're saying is people need to start praying for my soul, right? No, but I think you serve a great, a great okay. uh, that's, responsibility. That's fine. You don't in, in, but but yeah, and so I think for me, for for Speaker Gunn and the flag issue, I wanted to let him know there was somebody out there who wanted to thank him for that stand. Yeah. And quite honestly, we needed more white folks in this state to say that than um, and white Christians to say that because one of the toughest things about religion and politics is to help get some of our um, white conservative brothers and sisters to understand that what hurts or helps another group is also what hurts or helps them. And for Gunn to make that stand, hopefully this time around, he'll push it more through the legislature. I was disappointed that he didn't do more uh, last session, but maybe he's listening or people listening to him will encourage to pray for him to to push it so that this session we'll see it come down. I have truly enjoyed our our talk today. And thank you for allowing me to be on. I I was blessed by it. We'll have to do this again. And maybe we'll just do parenting tips one day because anybody (laughs) who has twin twin boys at the age of your boys right now, you are a rock star. Yeah, I probably need some tips. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, let's jump to Vivian really quickly before we let CJ Sure. Hey, Vivian. How are you? Hello. Hi. Uh, Listen, I think uh, church and state, the state has uh, adopted God's law to run the state. When God said don't kill, he said don't steal. Don't lie. Well, where do you think it came from? It came from God. So the state is, is uh, has adopted God's law to rule the state. If you if you take a lie, I mean, you tell a lie, the state call it perjury, but it's a lie, and God said, "Don't lie." If you steal, the state say, "Yeah, it's wrong to steal. It's wrong, you know, it's wrong to do these things." But it came from God. So whether or not we recognize it or not, we're running the state by God's laws, and we cannot lose. All right, Vivian, great call. Thank you so much. CJ, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that there, again, as I said earlier, religious values that inform us, that shape us, and that we can't separate those values. Again, I think the more technical part of the question, though, is should we say that only one particular interpretation of X, Y, and Z ought to be what rules the day? I mean, for instance, there are all kinds of deb- debates within Baptist churches between Baptists. Which particular Baptist point of view becomes the sort of quote, quote unquote law of the land? So as, as a Christian, my faith informs, I pray, I discern, I read, I engage. And I think most of us who believe that do. Um, but again, I think our, our nation was founded on trying to escape religious intolerance. And so those of us who have faith, uh, have to be willing to not be intolerant of others of different beliefs, even if we vote against their beliefs. Right. I mean, so that's that's kind of how I, I view it. I, I do appreciate all the different views on that. You know, there's not even any agreement at a potluck. That's lunch. right. I mean, you talk about you on know, how to make potato salad, right? I know it, it can get ugly very quick. Trust <laughs> yeah, me absolutely. CJ, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. All right. Our next guest is in the house. I'm very happy to have you here. And congratulations. You get a brand new album out, Fallen Star, which I got to listen to a little bit of it is wonderful. Very talented guy. Adam Collier's here. And of course, Adam is the A and Collier is the C. You're AJC and of course, AJC in the envelopes. You are known and famous for your incredible live performances. <laughs> I mean, seriously, if I had half your energy, I would have, like, a lot of energy. That's pretty awesome. So thank you for coming in today. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, okay, and this is what I love about you. You, you at one point, you were studying accounting. Yes. And I so actually it, have my accounting degree. You have your accounting degree. Okay. Okay. I'm going to hear a fist bump right there because that was, like, the worst grade I got in college. Oh, so you, you're my hero that anybody can pull that off. But, I mean, it's a pretty big switch to go from accounting to go into music. It, it is. Yeah. Uh, it is, but... It, when you really think about music, music is all numbers. Yeah. So when I'm standing on stage, I'm calling out numbers. Okay, go to the five, go to the one, go to the two. And I'm half of the people probably won't know what we're talking about, but that's okay. The other half does. Yeah. And they're they're thinking right now, going, "That's awesome." And it actually is because my oldest son's very good at math, and he's in the band, and you know he is. He just picked it up right away because he understood the the mathematical exactly. aspect of it. But you know, you're right. And on the other as- aspect of it, and I don't think people understand this. 
But now, particularly now, as opposed to the old days, mm-hmm. you got to be really good at business to be able to be good at music. Yes. Yeah, because you know what? People are not honest. I know this might shock you. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. That's the first time I've ever heard that. I know. I <laughs> See, I thought you might be stunned at that. But at the end of the day, you can do the books. So you know if you're being cheated. You know, um, that is exactly why I went into accounting. Um, I was, I'm a DIY type of guy. Yeah. Do it yourself. Right. So accounting was just a way for me to really, really figure out the business and figure out the money part. Because at the end of the day, most businesses do really, really well. But at the end of the year or the end of two years, they have no money. Right. Everybody's like, where did the money go? Well, somebody probably embezzled it, so you know. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. That one guy who comes driving up in the brand new car. Exactly, so. and all the and all the people that really did the work, you know, they go home and eat their ramen noodles and exactly uh, and, and cry. Do you know, I survived four years on ramen noodles. It can be done. Hey, man, through college, that's mm-hmm. all I ate. I mean, you can figure out how to make it into like something gourmet. It is funny how they like have different flavors and it all tastes the same, is like that? salt. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, why do you have shrimp? It doesn't taste like just, shrimp. It tastes like add, salt. Just add hot sauce. You're good. It does. Yeah. It's Hot sauce is good on anything. Cheese, too. Cheese? Yeah, add cheese, too. See, now you're obviously a lot richer than I am. <laughs> I, I could never afford cheese unless the government gave me some. The government then, cheese. Then I was good for that. So when did you start the Envelope Pushers? I started the group probably around 2007. Yeah. Um, I felt that it was funny because when I started this band, music was was still kind of grappling with going from analog to digital. Yeah. So nobody was, everybody was like, oh, I want these 808 drops and I want all this really, really cool stuff. And they just kind of threw the musicians to the wayside. Right. And I didn't realize that, but that's kind of what I was combating at the time because I was like, well, I mean, I love DJs. I have, sometimes I do shows with DJs behind me, but there is nothing like having a live keyboard player in the moment because when you feel something in the moment you can't tell the dj hey can you run to the back real quick uh make me a beat that has like this really thing and i want some raindrops in it but you can tell yeah. a keyboard player hey slow it down man like like I, I i've got something to say and that's just really cool it, it really grabs the heart of the audience so you could totally kind of graft and change the performance exactly yeah. on the spot very nice. Of course, I mean, you're talking about your shows. I mentioned they're very energetic. I mean, you hop up on tables. You get, you get down and dirty on the floor. I mean, you're all over the place. You, I bet at the end of the evening, you got to be exhausted. Sometimes. It really yeah. depends. Sometimes I'm like, it, it takes me like five hours after a performance to actually calm down. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of those, you're sitting there at four o'clock in the morning going, okay, yes. got to sleep. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Adrenaline. It's wonderful. It is. It's yeah. awesome. Uh, I, I never really think about it, man. When I get on stage, like... I remember my last performance that I did at Howlin' Miles, it was like maybe a year ago. Yeah. And I did a wedding before that. So I did a three-hour performance before that. Yeah. And then I got on stage and did another four-hour performance, and I never actually thought about what I was doing. Now, that one was different because I'd never done that before. Right. So I literally fell out. You were just, Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, at, at the, the end, end of the, the night, I was like, okay. Well, let's talk about a little bit about Fallen Star. How long has it been in the works? Fallen Star, do you really want to know a decade? A decade. Okay. (laughs) You didn't rush it. We'll just put it that way. You didn't rush it. But, I mean, you you did. You had a lot of fan support on it to to get it done. It was great. We're going to listen a little bit of it. How about we do that? Sharita? Mark Twain says, write about what you know. It sounds like there's a lot of personal experience in those lyrics. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, I think this album was, it's my baby. Yeah. So when I say like 10, when I say 10 years, that means that literally some of the songs are 10 years old. Some of them are eight years old. Uh, I don't think any song on this record was was over two years old. Um, and everything that I went through over that decade of time, I tried my best to stuff it in like 10 songs. And even after I had finished writing it, 
it took us another three years and about six different studios to get it done. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, a lot of time for reflection then, didn't oh, you? Oh, man. Yeah, a lot of time. You know, it's funny because I do that. I look back at my work. I look 20 years worth of cartoons, and I can tell you exactly what was going on in my life each time I drew one yes. of those cartoons. Isn't it's that really, perfect? It's amazing. It's like having a little diary on that as well. Internet's a big part of what you do and building a base. You've done a good job of that here in Jackson. Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, sir. That's, uh, you, know, you, you, you don't have to be modest. That's fine. <laughs> But no, seriously, that's that's important now for a musician to have that kind of base now. It's not like you've got a record company out there pushing your stuff. you got to push your stuff. You know, well, you know, when I, I, I just got back from L.A. maybe a couple of months ago, and what we discussed, I was at the ASCAP Expo, and ASCAP is my PRO. So basically, they're my publishing company yeah. that I go through to make sure that if they pay it on the radio, that I get, pl- that that, I get that's paid. That's important, yeah. Um, and what they were basically saying is literally once the digital age came in, it kind of made the record labels like this small. They were almost minute because you could have a guy that had talent that said, you know what? Like, I don't need you big record label to fund, to give me a million dollars. And then I got to pay you 3 million back. I can put this out there and figure out a way to get fans all around the world. And once independent artists really started dealing with that and understanding, Hey, it became a, do you really want it? See, see yeah. because if you didn't really want it before, a label could make you want it. Right. Now you have to want it. Exactly. <laughs> it's all come from the heart and talent, too. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, you've got you've to have a good story. You've got to be able to have the talent. Of course, you're going to do all that from Jackson, and you really believe in Jackson, don't you? Oh, man, I believe in Jackson so much. Actually, um, the, the Visitors Bureau in Jackson, they commissioned me out not even a month ago, and I wrote the song for Jackson. It's going to be coming out in a few months. Uh, it's called My City. That's awesome. Um, and I got the band together. We wrote a song, and it sounds so awesome. I wish I would have brought it with me today so I could <laughs> play it. But, you know, it's a it's a great song. We're going to do a video and a lot of really cool things to it to uh, show everybody that's not in Jackson, whether you're on the outskirts of town, whether you're in Memphis, whether you're in uh, Louisiana, hey, we're doing some really cool stuff down here. Hey, check it out, you know? Well, I tell you what, we'll have to have you back on, and maybe you can bring it then. And tell you what, where can folks find you? They can find me on the internet, Facebook slash Music by AJC. Matter of fact, Music by AJC, any social media, you'll find me. AJC in the Envelope Pushers, you Google it, you'll find 30 million things about me. Well, thank you for coming in today. Thank you guys for having me. Fantastic as well. And I want to thank, of course, CJ Rhodes for being as well. This is a really great show, and thanks for all the calls, because you know what? This is your show, too. Of course, it's produced by the amazing Sharita Britt, and coming up next is Southern Remedy. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. We'll see you next Monday.